0: Listening to NeuroNoodle Network
1: podcast. Welcome to NeuroNoodles, Neurofeedback and Neuropsychology podcast. Featuring neuropsychologists Dr. Laura Janssen, Dr. Skip Wren, Neurofeedback legend Jay Gunkelman, and welcome to the show as guest host Santiago Brand from Singapore. It's uh, just a just a shade over midnight over there, right, Santiago? That's correct, yes, sir. <laughs> a lot of coffee. A lot of coffee. Hey, this is an all-star cast that are more than happy to share their knowledge with you. Our goal is to provide information and promote options for better mental health. My name is Pete, and today we have a special guest, Dr. Taylor Campozello from Elite Physiology. But before we start, we'd like to thank our Patreon supporters Outrageous Baking, Tor Talk Alternative Behavioral Therapy, EG and Me, Sadia M, Jonathan Rowell, and January Terrell. And welcome, new supporter, Loretta T. Outrageous Baking is a dedicated gluten-free bakery that has been around for 15 years. Tor Talk wants more people to discover Texas speech. Joshua, Joshua M at Alternative Behavioral Therapy, Neurofeedback Service in Vancouver, Washington. If you're out that way. Get a nice uh, cap on your head out there. Please give us five stars on the Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the word out. If they can't hear us, we can't help them. Okay, again, welcome Santiago to the team. He'll be pitching in from the other side of the world where, again, it's late at night. And we appreciate him joining us. Santiago, you've been on with us before, but the new listeners could use a little uh, background on you again. Could you please let us know a little bit about you, Santiago?
2: Sure, yeah. I've been in the field of neurofeedback for um, 13 years now. And I, um, um, as I like to call myself, a glorified technician, Which means that uh, throughout my career, I have uh, what little have accomplished has been done through hard work as opposed to advanced degree and smarts. Um, I had the good fortune to be mentored by Jay for the last 10 years, and I think that's what's been pivotal in my uh, success in in this field. And uh, I'm very happy to be here with the team and very happy to share my first one with, with Taylor. Oh well, thanks again for joining us, Santiago.
3: And and we shouldn't feel too badly about him describing himself as a tech. I'm a tech,
1: so (laughs) you know, Uh, a a tech legend, Jay. Ah, I know how you like that.
3: All right, only only in your mind, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Welcome to the show, Doctor Taylor from Elite Physiology. Doctor Taylor, please give us your background.
0: Well, you know, my background actually is through body work. So I was a massage therapist for 18 years and I kept seeing similar patterns in people for breathing. And I got into biofeedback through uh, Dr. Eric Pepper. And that is kind of my, my background of coming in was through biofeedback, realizing that things I could work on people over and over again for massage I could fix them. And two weeks later, they came back with the same issue. And then as soon as we did biofeedback, I, you know, placed some sensors on them and they learn in five minutes and, and things were life changing. And so it started my path that way, which then led me to neurofeedback as well. So,
1: And and when did you get started?
0: Well, you know, I was introduced to it maybe in as early as 2005 um, and then I actually started doing biofeedback in 2012.
1: What did you, how did you start it with your practice? Was it uh, HRV or how did, how did you introduce it?
0: Um, you know, really it was muscle biofeedback. That's really what got me into it. Uh, my undergrad, I started looking at plantar fasciitis, which is with uh, people having issues with their feet tension. And as I started doing studies on that, I realized that, uh, it was from their pelvis tilting and their breathing changing. And then into my doctorate work, I got into looking at, at that even further alongside while I was doing other EEG things. But really, breathing changes the brain, that heart rate. You know, it's really strong and it has an effect on the brain. And, you know, working top down and bottom up is I personally found to be a really great approach.
1: What symptoms have you been able to train uh... Because we get a lot of uh, moms and dads, you know, parents that listen to the show, and there's various symptoms that you know pop up that they use, you know, biofeedback and neurofeedback. What have you seen? What is your own personal efficacy uh, that you've seen in your practice for for symptoms?
0: Yeah, I mean, the main thing um, I do see a lot actually for panic attacks and anxiety, because that so correlates one with the brain and with breathing. So we do neurofeedback and uh, breathing biofeedback every single session, as well as stimulation technology. And, and, and all of those those things start to rewire a person and train them. And they're, you know, sent home using the breathing biofeedback tools that I give them. I usually send them home with uh, an app for them to practice with that I can track as well, seeing how it's going. And it's, you know, the body will start changing the brain and the brain will start changing the body. So panic attacks, anxiety, um, ADHD, of course, everybody in our field, that's like a really, great easy one for it um, that that it can work for um, I keep getting a lot of really hard cases thrown at me so, <laughs> but <laughs> um but you know and, and they take a little bit more finesse and and you know kind of going down a couple different rabbit holes to figure out but when you know when it comes to those uh, anxiety and, and ADHD that, that's the <laughs> the nice straightforward ones
1: And then, you know, with COVID coming around or Omicron now, what, uh, are there any other, does that, that certainly doesn't help with the anxiety. Do you see any other symptoms that are popping up?
0: Yeah, I mean, as Jay's mentioned in the in other podcasts, um, really staying awake, so everybody's pretty drowsy all the time. Um, their their vigilant system isn't as alert, and then we have signs and symptoms of ADHD or other things like that um, that that come along with it. You know, so we stabilize their their sleep through you know increasing the sleep spindle, uh, as well as having them check other ways that they can improve it. You know, through
1: electronic use and stuff like that. Santiago, you're 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 in Singapore. Do you do you see anything? Uh, what what are the symptoms like there with with uh, COVID or om- Omicron? Is it is it popping up there? Has it burned itself out? What's it like over there?
2: No, it's it's very much like like Taylor was explaining. Uh, the first thing that I've noticed is that sleep has been. Uh, highly impacted in in most of the population. It's interesting because uh, as far as I know, Singapore is the uh, most vaccinated country in the world right now. I think our vaccination rate here is about 98% and as of February 1st, it's mandatory. So you know, if you don't want to get vaccinated, you don't get to go to the office here or go to a shopping mall or go to a restaurant. Um, And I think there's going to push up the vaccination rate as close to 100% as possible. But from a cultural perspective, I've noticed uh, being here in Asia for the last year now, that there are certain intricacies to the culture um, in terms of anxiety management. And people here tend to be a little bit more uh, easily frightened as opposed to the West, uh, meaning US and 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 Europe. And therefore the anxiety levels here are much higher. Uh, you know, even though, we're highly vaccinated. People who are getting it are getting mild symptoms. The hospitalization rates are low. People are still very anxious and they're not sleeping well. And um, what, what they come here is with symptoms of depression, symptoms of anxiety, poor sleep. And it's all through the, the neuroinflammation the stress is causing. And I think that uh, every, doing everything online for the past couple of years has had, has had a high impact on people's brains. Uh, you know uh, going through to school through zoom doing meetings through zoom working from home and everything is done online uh, i think that that's uh, that's uh, wreaked havoc in in people's brains and you know every time i run EEGs, i tend to see a lot of uh, you know very slow or very fast baseline rhythms for the most part it, it's either or there's nothing in the middle i don't know that that's been your experience taylor but that's what i have been observing here
1: and then, Taylor, I, I was pointing out that cap back there. Uh, Jay and Santiago, you guys uh, have a little connection to Korea and uh, L- Las Vegas. Uh, Jay, did you finally get that dry sensor cap from the, uh, the iSync guys?
3: Yes. And I, uh, from uh, basically never having touched it before, um, when I took it out of the case, I had to charge it, but as soon as it was charged, it took me about two, two for my first ever uh, sample recording, which I pushed uh, posted on Facebook as a a short uh, video uh, clip. Uh, j- just just the sample screen is like you know maybe thirty seconds of of waveforms, uh, and um, you know it, you know when you put it on and all the impedances are green and You know, I don't have to do anything. uh, uh, Just click start and and it did a nice job uh, uh, showing a sample EEG. Very nice and clean. You know, uh, um, I was watching the EEG go by, so there's a lot of lateral eye movement. (laughs) But other than than that, the uh, the record is clean. Um, uh, uh, You know, again, uh, if I would have been doing it as a demo, I probably shouldn't have been watching the EEG go by. But... um, it, it, you know, it's, it, it was quick. It was easy. Um, um, I, uh, uh it, it gave really nice results and the, uh, the analytics are uh, concordant with the prior wet sensor EGS that I've had done. And I've, I've had EGS done over the years. So many times I can tell you what my AG looks like before I even record it. So, and I did, um, for, for the documentary that they shot on me, um, uh, they they came into the room with a surprised me, uh, bringing an amplifier in, asked me what my EG would look like. Then they recorded me. Then I analyzed it live on on camera. So, um, so that I have to say that the the documentary has uh, t- taken a a rather interesting twist with international film festivals. The London Film Festival um uh, has nominated. As as the um, uh, 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 doc, doc you know number one documentary or something like that, the best director, he's got four four nominations at the uh, film festival going in you know b- before they've actually shown anything. So that's kind of interesting, you know. Um, but we'll see. It's it's uh, I think uh, they they sent it into maybe a dozen. Mm-hmm.
1: Skip before I get to you, real quick. Santiago and Jay, you had an experience with that cap. Is it possible? Because one of the hardest things is is to train the train attack to figure out the right spots to put the sensors and whatnot. Can you really just pop that thing on and you'll get the right placements on everything?
3: Yeah. Uh, well, you can't just sit it on the back of your head. You know, I mean, you gotta <laughs> sit it on. You know, your the the frontal electrode should be you know in in this spot where you expect the frontal electrodes to be but you know the it, it it expands out uh to be bigger and it compresses down to be smaller and all the electrodes stay in the appropriate ten twenty position there's little gears and levers and springs and everything inside of it what well, really well engineered um and you know uh you, you put it on, center it properly, don't have it tilted to one side or the other, and you're up and running. Um, I, I, I've seen it have uh, electrode uh, I- impedance issues only a couple of times when I've seen it being demoed. And it wasn't, you know, they, they grab a piece of the of it and kind of move it around to get the hair kind of parted out of the way. They have a little control that says vibrate uh, that, that can give things a little buzz to get the little tips to go down through the hair a bit better. But I, I, I've, ever I've yet to see anybody have difficulty with the hookup. It's, it's quick, it's easy. And again, unless you're just kind of trying to do it wrong. I mean, if you got the, you don't put it on tilted like a, you know, like a chapeau in France or something, you know, you get, you know, set it on square, uh, set it on. So it's, you know, low enough to the front. So it's not just on the back of your head. And, um, you're up and running um, uh, for very young kids uh, you have to actually extend the electrodes. There's a little tool that comes with it. You can uh, 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 pop the electrodes and extend them out so you can get to a smaller size head. But um, you know, unless you've got a really small head, the the a normal adult or a teenager, uh, the, the, the standard setting, Uh, electrode like this fine and the electrodes stick out about this far from the actual helmet so if you've got you know hair uh yeah you know it 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 has the ability to be stuck down through a fairly thick head of hair so um I, i i'm extremely impressed with the quality of the recording i've seen a lot of dry sensors that you know all the way through the electrode recording, you're going to pop over here, you pop over there. Uh, the, uh, electrodes are unstable, and this keeps everything held in place really nicely. Um, it, it, it did a beautiful recording.
4: Uh, so one size fits all. I've seen pictures of it. How how much does this thing weigh, Jay? Approximate.
3: Um, I don't know exactly what it weighs. It, it, it's not it, it's not inconsequential, but it doesn't feel like you've got a a barbell on your head or anything you know um, So nothing nothing
4: that would invite like neck tension or any anything like that yeah no, yeah no.
2: okay okay i don't know i found it to be rather comfortable and it, after a minute or so of wearing it you forget it's it's there so you, you like where you, wearing you it. feel a little bit of the pressure from the electrodes at first but then after a couple of minutes you just forget it's there and it's very comfortable to use very 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 light you ever wear it out in public just because you forgot
4: to take it off, Santiago?
3: <laughs> <laughs> it, it has I a hope, little
4: no, bit. A, that could happen. It has a little bit of a
3: Star Wars trooper look to it. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know,
4: I was thinking uh, Rick Moranis Spaceballs, right? Big, big, uh, big helmet. I think his name was Taylor. And um, in, in kind of piggybacking what Santiago brought up and just culture. You're in the Bay Area, correct? San Francisco. So just general question, but I mean, geez, you know, we say pandemic, like it's one thing. It's been a couple of years and it's it's like this, you know. Um, so my question to you is, how has, you know, California and, and Bay Area policies uh, affected what you do? And I'll tell you, up in Alaska, we in you know March of 20, I guess, we stopped doing their feedback just because, you know, people in the same room, hands on heads and all that stuff. And so that's how it impacted us. We're still kind of trying to work our way back in. But so the question back to you is like, how has that impacted? What have you done to um, kind of manage policies which are pretty strict, right? No, no judgment, but they're strict there, stricter than other places for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. As um, you know, basically we're in mental health, and so there's, um, you know, we were able to go back in person a little sooner. Uh, so I'd say it was just, it was the three months that we weren't allowed to be in office in person. And, um, so during that time I did a lot of breathing biofeedback on zoom. Um, you know, and I debated if I wanted to switch to virtual, uh, for neurofeedback, but honestly, I really love stimulation technology. And most of that, we can't do uh, virtual. It's a little harder to send some of those units or not, you know, legal, um, so they have to come in the office. So I just had to work with having, uh, you know, enough things in here like air purifier or something, air, uh, air conditioner that pulls the air out of the room, having, you know, all the the filters and things like that. So it, it hasn't been too bad. Definitely. Like right now with the pandemic picking back up again, you know, I think a lot of people are taking breaks. Um, but you know, then I'm using it more time. I'm, you know, right now getting ready to start using ERPs into my practice. So I'm using the extra time that I have to get that all set up.
4: (laughs) There you go. Good deal. I'm actually going to ERP, um, you know, mini clinic, uh, tomorrow and Saturday, uh, with Michael Cohen for anybody that might remember Mike from past past shows, but I'm going to do some ERP stuff this weekend, but I'll, I'll give you back to everybody else here.
3: Well, ERPs are a wonderful pairing with EEG, uh, Actually, the ERP is more considered diagnostic. Um, uh, 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 If you look up ERP and diagnosis, you end up with a big, big list. QEG and diagnosis, not so much. You know, the QEG is very sensitive, but not very specific. So you don't get diagnostically specific, you know, categorization with it. But you get great guidance as to how to treat. Uh, You can track treatment outcomes. You know, the, the QEG is very, very useful. But it's not the diagnostic metric. But then, diagnosis isn't really what I'm all eager to be doing anyway. So um, it's right up there with name calling in my book. So um, you know, um, uh, it's categorization for administration, but it doesn't really uh, tell you how to how to work. So the the QEG and the and the ERP uh, end up being a, a wonderful match together.
4: Jay, real quick, what, what makes the ERP so much better at, at, at diagnosing? And, and I think we're all in the kind of same camp here with that not being our objective, but it, it's well,
3: not It's uh, Basically, the applications that, are, that have been done with it over the years are uh, are more oriented towards diagnostic specificity. Actually, Yuri Kropotov has a nice uh, neuromarkers and psychiatry uh, book, is. book. The second book is actually really quite good at, at uh, uh, identifying uh, primarily ERP biomarkers. There's some EEG in there, but uh, it's primarily ERP biomarkers.
1: I was you, trying you to saw, pay attention to Taylor. Then I saw Jay messing around with his little cap there. What do you got going on, Jay?
3: Well, you can see the inside of it. Uh, that the, the electrodes, if you, if you expand it out, you can see the electrodes in the front split apart. Uh, stay, and they stay proportionate. Uh, so uh, as this sits on your head, and again, it, it gives you a little bit of a Star Wars uh, trooper look, but um, it, uh, it, it keeps all the electrodes in the proper location. And uh, they, they, it, it's quite flexible. Uh, it, it, it looks like it's like one big solid piece, but uh, it, it's all individual little segments uh, that, that are all hooked together. Uh, that That end up uh, expanding and contracting uh, and keeping the electrodes in the ten appropriate ten twenty sites
1: man the only thing that 's holding that thing back is twenty five grand, but I think eventually you know i 'm seriously looking at that because that would really well, speed up the tech train in time yeah.
3: uh, it, 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 p- people uh, look at the purchase price, but if you run a medical office, you look at the medical lease rate. Uh, what's your monthly payment going to be, as opposed to what's the total? You take out of cash flow, you don't take it out of a capital account. So uh, maybe 700, 750 bucks a month for a three-year lease. You know, um, it's, it's about twenty-eight thousand. Yeah, uh, but it also has photobiomodulation. There's there's LEDs in the center of each of the electrodes. Uh, you end up with a, a photobiomodulation at each of the sites, and you can program that between one and 45 Hertz. Um, it, uh, so it, it not only does EG recording, it does photobiomodulation treatment, and they're setting it up for neurofeedback as well. So uh, it, its I think it's a, a rather advanced uh, approach. The, uh, the, the thing that they're using it for clinically in Korea now with Korean FDA approval, uh, because of the science behind it, they've got very good publication. Um, it, you know, if you're my age, seventy-two, and you know, you think, "Well, gee, uh, I, my memory is not so good today." You know, I, I better go see the doctor and see what's going on. When you walk in the door to the doctor's office with the first complaint of something's wrong, doc, what's going on? It could be senior with depression. It could be dementia. Uh, it could, could be lots of things. And it could be just normal aging with some concern. And this helmet stuck on your head for 10 minutes gives you a differential identification. What's the likelihood that you have dementia versus mild cognitive impairment and normal aging? Um, and that that's a that's a major uh, clinical identification. Imagine somebody coming into the doctor's office. You can plop, plop this on their head in the waiting room for 10 minutes and you get the result by the time they see the doctor you got the test results you know uh, uh, it's it's a uh s- some people say well i don't want to send my data to korea it's not korea they have a cloud server it, uh it doesn't go anywhere it goes everywhere <laughs> you know um it, uh, and it, it's a secure cloud server uh so you don't send your data anywhere specific uh, it, it's it's all on um uh, on a, a, a cloud server with AI uh, processing and they de-artifact the data. You can see the data with artifact or without artifact. You can change the artifacting if you want manually. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's a pretty advanced approach.
5: <laughs> I was going to say, maybe we need uh, Elon Musk in on this and you can have it as a, like a self-driving car, put the cap on. And when you're in your alpha, your car moves <laughs> when you're not, that's, that's better neurofeedback.
3: <laughs> brain computer interface, brain car interface. Huh? Um, right. uh, there, there are actually older devices that have been used with truckers to monitor for drowsiness using brain activity. Um, uh, you, you can identify when somebody's starting to slip a little bit in their vigilance and uh, uh, give them a little warning hey, you're, you're getting a little, little bit too drowsy. And if they pop back and stay awake, that's fine. But if if the warning continues, they basically are, are told sh- they should pull over. So uh, um, anything that avoids a truck head-on collision with me is a good idea, you know, so.
5: Hey, d- does anyone know, anyone on our panel know if there is uh, other kinds of neurofeedback that are more mechanical in nature? I mean, when we do our neurofeedback, you know, it's it's movies, it's games, it's things on a computer screen, but you know, I was joking, but I was curious, has anyone developed anything like that where there's actual uh, something moving in, in the environment, some kind of mechanical device, a toy, a robot? You know, you, I know that uh, with, um, you know, working with uh, OT and phantom limbs and, and things like that, you know, there's all sorts of equipment that's being developed. But I was just wondering if there's other, anyone know of any other kind of me- mechanical uh, device used uh, with neurofeedback? Because that would be pretty cool to have something three-dimensional.
0: Yeah, actually, John LeMay, Dr. John LeMay, he uh, developed uh, a way of kind of flying um, uh, not, um, you know, like a model airplane. Uh well, he, well not flying just like uh what what are they like like a toy plane or a drone yeah. um doing brain modulation with it so oh, that's uh, cool. he has a patent it it's not um released but you know you can ask him about okay, it okay
5: not a patent yet okay we're on it
0: <laughs> no no he ha- he hasn't patented so oh on, he
5: does yeah. uh, okay
0: <laughs> but he did develop it
5: okay All right, we'll <laughs> him to now. make him
0: do something with it
3: yeah okay there's there's a group of people uh, in Europe, as well as the Koreans and myself that did a research project that was published in, um, in a, a major journal with the big impact factor. And um, basically what it was is the ability to prove that real-time de uh, could actually work without damaging the underlying signal. So that people walking or running, doing a task, up and moving around. If the EG is being recorded in those kind of conditions, you can actually take out the artifacts that are induced by the walking, the running, the playing golf, the, the whatever it happens to be. And the, um, uh, the basically the, it, we try to do the, the published proof before we end up seeing the, I've got something to sell you. Um, and although that's not very common in the neurofeedback world, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I, I whipped this up in the lab and I'm selling it today and there's no publication showing outcomes and stuff. So I've been very appreciative of the uh, Koreans approach of uh, uh, publishing uh, a positive outcome uh, research to support their, um, that they're bringing something to actual market. Um, it, it, I, I think they're doing it right as, as well as anybody can.
1: That cap, if you're paying a, a tech 20 bucks an hour to train, I would think I was making light of the 25 grand or 28 grand, whatever it is, you pay that much for the cap, but then you don't have to pay the training hours to the tech or as much. Is that, is that right?
3: Probably. I mean, if, if, I, 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 I don't know that it takes a whole, lot of skill to put this on um, I put it on myself you know I'm in it first time with no impedance problem at all and a clean recording immediately it, it took me more time to fill out the name uh, and uh, age my date of birth it's one of those things where you have to scroll to the year you were born I scroll halfway to forever with those darn things you know so um, it, it took me more time to fill out that form uh, than it did to put on the cap or put on the, the, the uh, wave. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's awfully easy. And, it, uh, you know, there are going to be people that, is, that are difficult with it. Uh, if, if you come in with a huge amount of hair uh, and, you know, there, there are people that come in with uh, weaves and uh, dreadlocks and uh, hair that's uh, done up on top of their head real high or something. It, that's going to be difficult. Um, but it, you know, if, if they take their hair down um, and uh, it, uh, uh, this wouldn't be difficult for Taylor, uh, this wouldn't be difficult for Laura, but you can imagine somebody's hair that's, um, you know, dreadlocks or something, That that's going to be a difficult one. But like, that's not difficult with paste on discs even, you know, or an electro cap or any other kind of cap. It, 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 there are people that have difficult uh, uh, circumstances to record because of hair. I'm not one of them. So I can get back to C three and C four uh, and and not even mess up my hair, you know. So,
1: Santiago, would you need a tech for for
2: to put this cap on? I mean, you were just out there. What do you think? Well, I think it, it depends on I, how you personally want to run your operation. But what what I do have to say is that this device is really a game changer. And you know, we look at the device. And that's just a byproduct of, as Jay was saying, the, the years and years of of uh, the research they have put into this. I, you know, I had the the personal privilege of uh, of spending uh, a full day with them in uh, at their facilities in Seoul. And, you know, they're showing me how they do the research. Uh, they have a full team of engineers. I'm talking 10 to 12 engineers running the, the, the algorithms, extracting the biomarkers from, from the raw data. And they have another team of engineers doing other fancy stuff with their computers. So you, you can tell that they're doing the, the due diligence and, you know, doing the step-by-step uh, procedure and uh, to, to get to, to the final product, which is the help. And, uh, to me, this is a game changer. Uh, uh, and again, you know, you, you could see by looking at the device that it took some time for them to finally come up with this, this design. You know, when I sat down and asked them, how long did it take from the conception, you know, the, the vision in your mind to the final design? They said, oh, it was it was probably five, seven years before we finally had yeah. something uh, ready to, to to market, which is what Jay was sh- just showing us. Um yeah. And uh, I, I think, in, in my opinion, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my, my hands on one of these. It's, go, it's going to change the way I, I run my practice. Uh, and it definitely is going to change the way I monetize uh, my, my, my work. Uh, I, I, and it, it will be a game changer for any other practitioner out there, I think. You
3: yeah. know, uh, there, there was a group that was, went uh, out to uh, the Midwest to work with the football players um, and Canton and uh, the, the they had to do recordings, and it, you know it, if you're pulling somebody out of their normal training routine, um, it's it, it actually just dis- disturbs their their team training and teamwork. So if you pull somebody out for an hour worth of testing, because it takes you 20 minutes, half hour to hook them up, and another 10, 15 minutes to get them cleaned up when they're done and Then they have to go take a shower after that to get it, get rid of it all. Um, that that that's really disruptive to their um, uh, procedures. Uh, a a ten minute scan with the uh, uh, the wave that you put on a head in a couple of minutes. Um, now I have to say that there's some NFL players that are going to have some uh, difficulty because of hair. Um, you, you can see some of them have their helmet kind of puffed out with, uh, with, with whatever they've got on top of their head. But um, it, it, it's still, it's, it's a way to save time.
4: Uh, Jay, you, you kind
3: of referred to this,
4: uh, you know, differential diagnosing. And, and so, you know, my day job as a neuropsychologist is all about answering questions like that. And Laura and I have been talking about this for, it seems like decades, right, Laura, even though I know it's mm-hmm. not, but the paper and pencil stuff just doesn't get it cut you know, it doesn't cut it. So, Hey, is it mild cognitive decline? Is it depression? Is it, you know, early onset Alzheimer's and the answer is, I don't know. They're just filling out a bunch of stuff on paper. So that's really encouraging to know that this will allow for that. I know ERPs do too, which is part of my interest. Yeah. So segue over to you, Taylor, I noticed that you do cognitive assessments at out of your clinic or practice. So I'm not sure what you, how you refer to it, but what are you doing for assessment? And then are you including, you know, cues or maybe anything else? What are you guys doing?
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, so for myself, I am a psychophysiologist, not a psychologist. And my PhD is in psychology, but I am Good not. Good for you. Good so I have, you know, some, some limitations there. Um, I really just use the QEG. Eventually it will be the ERP. I use Cambridge brain science as well, and then uh, just some, you know, they have a lot of really good surveys on there for asking questions, um, and, in addition to our, our our talk that we're having and figuring out what's going on from there. But for myself, since I'm not diagnosing, I'm really kind of just mainly looking for what's going on for that person's complaints, what we're seeing, and how we can target the training to meet those needs the, the quickest.
4: Okay, and so not to minimize it by any means, but more maybe more of a screening for uh, you know, subsequent trainings or treatment.
0: Yes. Yeah, exactly. And make sure there's not anything else that we're seeing, you know, like we'll send it, you know, if something looks like something else is going on, we'll send off to a neurologist or sleep lab or, you know, just kind of being that the gatekeeper for making sure if uh, something else is going on, that that's, that's checked out.
4: The things you're talking about doing, I I can just see how that would be more effective than maybe some of the referrals we get to answer certain questions where they, they... Folks functioning is being assessed from a different perspective. Right. And, and I'm, you know, I'm bagging on the paper pencil thing. There's, there's some value there, obviously, but it's just encouraging to know that folks are out there. And so you're not calling yourself a psychologist and neuropsychologist a or training, but you're doing screenings and assessment on how folks brains are functioning. And that's what Laura and I are supposed to be doing. Yeah.
0: Most people you know, have, you know, bias or they don't always aware of everything, you know, so it's like, wh- what is that? How many times do you have to ask for if somebody hit their head to find out they hit their head? You know, right. like seven, seven different ways you're supposed to ask, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're
4: like, oh, <laughs> then you, then, mean, you mean that like when I fell down the steps, oh, because I didn't really hit my head, I, I banged my shoulder, you know, like, yeah.
0: Yeah. And then I always like to tell people to like go on YouTube and look at a fresh dissection of a brain and see somebody hold a fresh brain and see how delicate it is just by holding it and then moving it over. And just by the weight of holding it, there's a whole indentation of the hand. And you're like, you just smash that in your head, you know, like there's going to be some repercussions of it.
5: It's schwager. That's what I thought of when I did a dissection class. It's the consistency of Braunschwager.
0: Yep. So a fresh dissection or one that was formaldehyde
5: formaldehyde
0: yeah once you you, i've never done a fresh one but if you look on youtube you can see the fresh ones and they're just the the brain is so delicate it's really amazing yeah
3: if you put a brain on that's not formaldehyde fixed on the edge of a counter and go home and come back the next day it's all flat and deflated and there's a pool of water on the ground you know uh uh, (laughs) the it 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 doesn't like gravity. It likes to float in fluid, assuming your brain isn't leaking the fluid like mine is. Um,
5: yeah. I, when you dissect, you have to dissect with a blunt end of the scalpel. You can't use the sharp end. It'll uh, just crumble.
3: Taylor was at a brain dissection course that I set up. Uh, you know, it's not that easy to get human brain. You, you don't order them on Amazon, you know, and, uh, they don't ship them UPS. Uh, it, when, when something uh, says, you know, human biological specimen on the box, not everybody wants to pick the damn thing up. So um, it, it's expensive. Uh, it, it costs quite a few thousand dollars to put on uh, that, that. And I, you know, I, I bought a, uh, a high resolution uh, a, a video camera and suspended it on a jib boom above the. brain and projected it like 20 feet tall on the wall behind so people in the class could actually see what was going on and i i looked and looked and looked for the picture of taylor and and some of the students but i've got all these pictures of the brain i don't know why you know (laughs) but um uh, there there were some really cute pictures of people in the class um uh, taylor and some of them were all dressed up and makeup and you know all, all all fancied up for the course uh you know, you're going to go play around with a formaldehyde brain and you're all dressed up, you know? So, but it, it, it was, a, I think a very educational full day, uh, brain dissection workshop. Everybody got to dissect a pig brain, but we prosected a human brain, uh, you know, as a, as a demonstration, the dissection as a prosection. And, um, uh, and again, with, with high resolution video. And everybody got that video on a thumb drive. It was like fifty-two gigabytes on on uh, on the uh, thumb drive for the video. But um, uh, that course went well. And Taylor's also been—I don't know how many years it's been now—but every week for an hour, going over raw EEGs um, with a group. So um, you know that it takes time and focused energy to gather the knowledge to understand what the brain is doing and uh, you don't just take a weekend wonder workshop and uh, end up with a skill set it, it takes time and dedication and taylor's done that
0: i always uh, whenever my clients i try to explain things about when the report and they want to understand more and they're like, this is confusing and i'm like yeah yeah it is really confusing it's you should have this feeling because you know I think like you know when I I came into the first time I met Jay he was teaching and um I came in with years of experience of body work my undergrad was in psychology kinesiology holistic health um I you know I you know, I came in with with a pretty good knowledge, and I still had no idea what I was looking at when Jay was, you know, looking at a QEG for the first time. And so it, it just takes so much work learning. <laughs> it's never yeah. ending.
3: Yeah, it's, the, the, uh, it's an impossible learning curve with no top. It's very steep, but it's the right curve to be on. Uh, and it's good to see people that are earnest uh, about their learning actually on that learning curve, you know, ratcheting up one little step at a time. So, you know, I I, I keep telling people I, I, I'm actually kind of slow, but I've been in the field for 50 years, you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, just, just get a little bit every day, and after a while you've actually got a fairly good fund of knowledge.
1: I think using that uh, that cap, we keep saying the Koreans. It's iSync, iSync Media, right? You know, we got to
3: iSync were- Brain, uh, iSync Wave, um, uh, the, uh, the, their their database, uh, the, the helmet, um, yeah, the, and they they uh, they they don't have a product that's static. They're it's it's going to be in constant development. They have data that they haven't opened up to the norms yet. They collect the data up to one hundred and fifty hertz. They analyzed up to forty five. They, they have gamma two and ripples that they could analyze. Uh, they have ERPs, uh, a, a bunch of different kinds of ERPs. Um, they haven't executed that for normative analysis, but they have the norms. Um, uh, they, they have genetics. Uh, they have diets. They've, they, they've got all of that for their normative group. So uh, it's, it's uh, there, there's a uh, uh, there's a couple of careers left for people to try and execute all of the data that they actually collected
4: so we everybody's talking about covid because it's what we've been talking about for two years and there's you know these secondary effects i'll call them which are significant folks are burnout and depressed and anxious and all these things that happen when we have to disrupt our lives for so long and, and maybe learn different ways and figure out how to you know operate without a concrete foundation under us you know we don't things are different so that's challenging but there's there's some real effects that people are responding to too right like things uh shipping supply lanes are disrupted and that changes and makes things harder all these things that are real life uh impacts i think in in mental health we're all seeing those people somehow um but my question was more towards are you seeing folks that are identifying, hey, yeah, like I'm a long hauler of COVID and, and this is what I'm experiencing or a little controversial, but I'm seeing it in my practice where folks are like, hey, I was wasn't great before, but I got my second shot. And now, boom, 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 I got this going on. So I'm, I'm more of the, the virus impact on functioning.
3: Are you seeing that? Wait, I actually do. Uh, uh, organized talks. I've, I've given maybe five talks to various groups on long hauler COVID um, uh, brain, uh, how to identify it in, in the EGQEG and how to treat it. And I've got before COVID, COVID and after treating long hauler COVID. So I've got you know, longitudinal study from before COVID existed, uh, the same brain now with COVID and then uh, the long hauler uh, brain, basically, with COVID, and then uh, after therapy to to fix the uh, problem. And um, it, you know, the, it, we we have a tool that can end up helping recover long hauler symptoms. Um, th- there's lots of ways to end up with ischemia in the brain, and inflammatory changes is you know one of them. Um, There's there's others as well, but uh, inflammation is a is a major source of it. And if you have ischemia, the brain area that has it ends up not working as well. It's not like it can't work at all, but it's not working efficiently. So when you can't remember anything, your memory is just shot. You know, word finding and verbal fluency is gone. Um, We can see that in the EEG as the slow edge of alpha trickling down into the theta band. And you you basically need to gently activate that area. The brain regulates its own blood supply, will open the area up, but you have to turn the area on gently and leave it on. At that point, the blood supply to that area will open up. But very much like a head trauma, post-traumatic ischemia, you can't make a big demand for function or you cause further problems. You know, if if you have an impaired circulatory flow to an area, that's ischemia, and uh, post-traumatic ischemia, migraine ischemia, uh, COVID ischemia, what, whatever the source. If you put too big a demand for function on the uh, it, it, and you exceed the blood supply uh, capability of supplying it, you actually create hypoxia in the area, which creates edema. The edema creates pressure that collapses the blood vessel further. So the head injury person doesn't get better if you put them back on the field right away. You have to rest that brain to make sure that you don't end up with cell death from the hypoxia, uh, glutamate cascade and cell death. So, um, you know, we we can treat it effectively. We've got evidence of that uh, case, you know, case series evidence of that um, and uh, very good outcomes with people. So um, uh, the I think the long hauler COVID symptom of brain dysfunction is something that we can treat quite effectively. There are other long or COVID symptoms that are cardiac related. That's not the kind of you know post COVID thing that we can fix with a head. Um, uh, there may be HRV things that kind of end up helping with that. That's not my area of expertise. So, uh, but the you know cognitive. Uh, uh, problems post COVID long haul, or, uh, w- we can remediate that with training. Okay. It's it's not super quick, but it's faster than an ADD treatment. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I
2: actually wanted to say in addition to what Jay was saying, uh, with regards to neuroinflammation, specifically COVID, uh, I think it's important to look at, um, who the person was in terms of inflammation by the time they got infected with the virus, uh, if not with any other kind of inflammation, because I think that largely influences how they get initially impacted and how they deal with the symptoms uh, uh, post-infection and how well they're likely to, to recover. I don't know what you think about that, Jay. I mean, I, I would tend to think that there might be some level of glial priming with, with COVID, uh, you know, the release of the inflammatory cytokines and, chemokines and all the things that get released when you get infected. Therefore, considering neurofeedback plus other anti-inflammatory interventions like exercise and nutrition are, are, are quite important.
3: Yeah, I, um, uh, you're not a disembodied brain. Uh, last I knew, we don't just treat the brain. The brain actually is involved with the body. Uh, anytime you're discussing... Cognitive function, if you're not looking at uh, the, the body, you're missing the effect of the heart on the brain, the effect of the brain on the heart. Uh, electrodermal, goodness sakes, the sympathetic outflow to the, to the skin, eccrine sweat glands. Um, uh, uh, Anna Weiss, uh, years ago, had a, uh, a, a matrix of uh, cognitive function. And uh, uh, one axis was brain and the other axis was body. And uh, the body was all uh, measurements with electrodermal, and uh, it, it, you know you, you you've got a uh, if you've got a very active brain but a very unact- un- unactive uh, sedate body that's a different state than both of them being active. So you, you've you've got to actually look at the person as a whole uh, as a complete you know um, and uh, uh, not just a disembodied brain. Uh, I made that mistake early in my career. And one thing about making a mistake, you really learn from a mistake. I I learn more from my mistakes than from what I do correctly accidentally. You know, um, uh, uh, when you step in something, you end up with a common courtesy of a cowboy where I grew up. You say, don't step there, you know, uh, uh, try try to guide other people around uh, the error that you made. And I'm so old. I've made a lot of errors, so um, you know I, I, I'm, I'm a reasonably good guide through the field to keep you from stepping in stuff. You know,
1: Taylor, what's the best way uh, for our listeners to learn uh, more about you? How, what links can we put in the podcast notes for you?
3: Yeah,
0: just uh, you know my website, uh, just at elitephysiology.com, and that's probably the easiest. It has everything on there. So.
1: Okay, outstanding. Well, t- Taylor, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, this Good is fun. great. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, we thank you all for listening to NeuroNoodles, NeuroFeedback, and Neuropsychology Podcast. We'd like to thank our Patreon business supporters. Outrageous Baking, they're a de- dedicated gluten-free bakery that has been around for 15 years. Check them out at OutrageousBaking.com. TorTalk wants more people to discover text speech at tortalk.se. Alternative Behavioral Therapy, Neurofeedback Service in Vancouver, Washington. Just ask for Joshua M. We'd also like to thank our supporters, EGME, Saidi M., jo- Jonathan Rowan, January Turell. And I'd like to welcome our new supporter, Loretta T. Hey, do you have an idea for a topic or a guest? Please email p@neuronoodle.com or leave us a voicemail with the link in the podcast notes. Please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And hey, if you really, really like us, please buy us a coffee on Patreon slash NeuroNoodle. We love our Patreon peeps, don't we, Jay?
3: Absolutely. They get great coverage on this show, don't they?
1: Almost as good as that helmet. (laughs) Cue the music.